June is Pride Month, but what does that mean? It means that we have brothers and sisters around the world with different sexual orientations. This by no means makes them any less human or less deserving of love than you or I. My guest Patrick Wolf grew up in the Mormon religion, a branch of Christianity popular in the Western United States. While living as a missionary, he had to come to terms with being a gay man. The upheaval in his life led him to accepting and loving himself for who he is, and now he's pursuing a career in nursing. His message of love and hope to the LGBTQ community is one we need to hear now more than ever. This is Medicine Beyond the Science. Patrick, welcome to Medicine Beyond Science. I'm really excited to talk to you because, well, our history goes back away. Uh, I guess if we look at it, we knew each other how old? In the early 90s? Oh, well, we not early come... 90s, but probably mid 90s, 1996. Mid-90s. Yeah. You know what I meant. Oh, well, I yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mid, mid 90s, early yeah, 90s. 97, 98, something like that. <laughs> I'm glad we're getting really detailed into this. Regardless, yeah, you used to. Well, I think it. Well, if we're getting real specific, it was August of. <laughs> yeah, Sorry. it was August fifteenth, nineteen ninety eight, when we met. <laughs> but yeah, when I was a kid living in New York, every summer Patrick and his sisters would come and visit their dad in Long Island, but they came from somewhere else. They came from Washington, and I always thought. Washington, D.C. And it wasn't until years later that I realized that you did not come from Washington, D.C., but Washington is also a state on the opposite side of the country near California. Yes. I did not know that. But that's where you came from. How long did you to realize? I was like 17 when I found out that what you What the were. hell? <laughs> but growing up on the West Coast, Pat, you grew up in a different culture than I did. You grew up in a Mormon culture, which is a form of Christianity that Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And it's a much more conservative background, I guess, than what I would have grown up in New York. And could you explain a little bit like what that was like growing up in the Mormon church within a Mormon family and that conservative ship? Yeah. So, I mean, it was like, I mean, it was what... I would say typical Christian values in the household of, you know, no lying, no stealing, no, no murder. Right. But then, you know, Mormonism kind of goes above and beyond with um, kind of additional rules, no alcohol, which can be pretty common with uh, Christianity, but other things like we did not drink coffee or tea when we grew up, when we were um, when uh, in Mormonism, you do not drink coffee, you do not drink tea. Um, I don't know why, uh, that's just, you just don't drink coffee. Yeah. So like one of like the, the, sorry, I just, uh, I'd I'd make a terrible Mormon. I would make a terrible Mormon by the way. Cause I love coffee. I can't give it up so much coffee. I'd be like, I'm sorry, Jesus. I just need the coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Jesus. Yeah. The, the, the creator of Mormonism, Joseph Smith said that God told him, 
that we should not drink coffee or tea, huh? which is kind of interesting because coffee is somewhat of a problematic thing as far as caffeine goes, though it's not it's not necessarily because of the caffeine because like we grew up drinking Coke and we drew up, you know what I mean? Like Coca-Cola and sure. stuff like that. So I don't know. Anyway, um, there was that, uh, church was three hours long. Um, and then there was youth group in the middle of the week. And then when I got into high school, we took a seminary class or basically like a Bible study class, um, every day. Uh, so your school. religion was literally like a part it was of in everything. My life. It was my life. Like it not like was, is your town like a very Mormon town where no, you grew no, up? No, no, no. I mean, it's well. I mean, uh, I'm sure that it was a decent percentage compared to like other places, but it's only because of its relative closeness to Utah. Because um, oh, okay, yeah, because and like, like I mean, Utah isn't that like the capital of like, it's the like headquarters Mormon country? Yeah, of your okay, so of the Mormon like religion, city. like. Utah is it like that's like the mecca for you guys yeah yeah that's a great way to put it um Salt Lake City yep and then just uh Salt Lake City was like a 12-hour drive from where I lived so you know over the years decades I'm sure people migrated a little bit further away from Salt Lake City for opportunities and to establish you know their lives and so Spokane had a pretty um, pr- pretty heavy uh, Mormon presence in it, um, but hmm. by no means was it a Mormon city. Um, but socially speaking, yeah, like we we hung out with other Mormons. Like you didn't. It's not that you weren't allowed to have friends that weren't Mormons. It's just that like you kind of stick with people who ha- have values similar to your own, right? So growing up in the Mormon culture, uh, and it being a part of your life. You were saying to me once in the past that you would go and it's expected of boys to do missionary work and all of this, and you're learning the tenets, but there was something different about you. And I didn't notice this when we were kids. I I guess you don't really notice it, but you were starting, I guess you came to the realization that you were actually um, homosexual in your orientation. Yeah. Yeah, I realized that probably, I was probably like 16 when like I realized that, but I always, you know, I, man, being a teenager is confusing just in general, Um, but with that, it was very much like, well, that can't be because that's not okay kind of thing, Um, and so, you know, I always wondered if it was just the fact that like I liked guys Um, And yeah, I was attracted to them, but I kind of, for a long time, for a couple of years, I was definitely like, well, I just, I want to look like them. I want to be like them. That's why I'm attracted to them. It's, it's not because I actually want to be with them. I want to be You think you were in a state of denial? Huh? You think you're in a state of denial? Oh, back then. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I was totally denying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was in denial and I, you know, and nobody wants to. Because that would have just really confused my life. My life was very much um, kind of laid out before me in the sense that, like, you kind of have these milestones as a faithful Mormon uh, person where you, you know, you graduate high school, you go on a Mormon mission for two years trying to preach Mormonism uh, to people. And then after that, you go back to college, you find yourself a nice girl. You get married, you finish college, you 
then get a job, have a bunch of kids, and live out your Mormon life until you die. So speaking of the missionary, that caused you to learn another language so that way you can help promote uh, the religion, Mormonism to other people. So what language did you learn? So I learned Spanish uh, in Georgia and South Carolina, which is just... Ah, yes. That's exactly where I think I would learn the Spanish language. (laughs) South Carolina. When you think South Carolina, the first thing you think are... You know, Spanish culture. (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, it's so funny. Like, so just like Mormonism started, you know, out in New York, but it migrated out to Salt Lake City. And then like my city was had a heavy influence of of Mormonism because of its relative closeness uh, to Salt Lake City. Um, I mean, think of like Cuba Cuba and Puerto Rico, like a lot of those people, they come to Florida and then from there, they've migrated north. So there's actually a relatively heavy um, uh, Hispanic influence in uh, Georgia and in South Carolina and in North Carolina. I never would have thought of that in a million yeah. years. So now you learned Spanish to be able to be a missionary and to be able to promote uh, the religion and the values. And more so, again, it's, it's a lot of positive values. In no way yeah. are we trying to... Uh, denounce anything in this sense no but i think that's really interesting and maybe why you want to also go into nursing and why you want to pursue a medical field career because you have that ingrained in you already to want to help people to reach out to more people yeah but i mean in a more practical sense it was that um in order to go on this mission trip i had to pay for it and so um I had to save up money somehow. And the first job that I got was as a medical assistant. Um, really? Just, yeah. But it was just very basic. It was, I took people's blood pressure with a machine. So um, like, it's not like I, you know, had like a sphygmomanometer, uh, but I, it's not like I took it with the like puff thing, hey, you know, it baby was steps, baby steps. Next yeah. you'll be doing, sur- you'll be doing open heart surgery next yeah. week. Don't worry yeah. about it. Um, no, so I was a medical assistant for like a year and a half before I went on my mission, uh, saving up money. And then so when I came go, back, you, did oh, you go ahead. on the mission? Yeah, I did. I did one. And yep. did you share with anybody that you were gay? Mm, mm, there, uh, yes and no. Sorry. So I didn't share it with any of like the guys my age, but there's what's called a mission president. And it's like some retired guy basically who took a two year hiatus from his career. Um, and he's like, he was like in his fifties or sixties, a really nice guy. Um, but, uh, he, um, he knew about my struggles and I remember him telling me, he said, you know, it's best if we probably don't share that with your colleagues just because not everybody's going to be as understanding and compassionate about your situation. It's not like he was trying to hide me, but also at that time, my- you just have to be understanding of your environment, so to yeah, speak, yeah, and exactly. just be able to, you know, not rock yeah. the boat or upset anybody in this sense. Yeah. And it wasn't, and it wasn't harmful at that time. I don't think that was a very harmful thing for me because at that time being being gay or having, being a homosexual, whatever you want to call it, um, queer or whatever, 
um, it wasn't really part of my identity at that time yet because I didn't identify. I was still in denial about who I was, right, and how I felt. So at that time, I didn't feel like somebody was telling me to hide who I was. Does that make right, sense? Okay. It was like, oh, yeah, this is just something that, like, I don't really need to mention to anybody about because I don't even like this about myself. Like, why would I expect other people to like this about so me? How, so right? how did you come to really accepting that? So, like, I'll be honest with you. The way I found out that you were gay, years later, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember Pat. I used to hang out with him as a kid, and I haven't seen him in years. And then I look on Facebook, and I'm like, oh, oh okay. Yeah. Okay. And so, yeah. like, that's how it got broken out to me. But, Honestly. yeah. <laughs> you know, because Facebook, that's where you learn everything. Yeah, and, definitely. Uh, definitely, yeah. <laughs> All the the most accurate things only, though. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, no, no filter whatsoever on, on, on a Facebook or an Instagram, <laughs> yeah, you know, sure. everybody is just perfect lives, no matter what. Yeah. And so at what point did you finally become accepting and, and making it a part of your identity? So I no longer had my religion. Um, my family relationships had been strained because they were all heavily set in the religion as well. So as I'm trying to kind of figure myself out, it's not like my family like dis- disowned me or anything. However, it was just definitely a, a, a bit of time that I'm like, I kind of need to figure myself out. You know what I mean? Like I need to figure mm. out what this means for me in my life. So I got my own apartment on the other side of town, closer to work. And just, you know, I threw myself into work and I became a phlebotomist and I became a lab tech and then I got into management and Um, then I was like, oh, well, I should probably go to school. And then, um, anyway, so nursing was kind of my original, uh, intent in school. And then as I moved up in my company, I was like, oh, I'll go into management, like business management and stuff. Let me tell you, man, being a business manager, it sucks. Like it it sucks. Like I actually, I had to ask you a question. I didn't mean to cut into you. No, 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 no. Do you think people that have gone through a lot of pain and I would say that what you went through was a painful experience. Like I, I know that there's no denying that I, I never had to go through anything like that. And, um, do you think that's kind of a driving motivation on why you want to help people or why you want to go yeah. and yeah. go into the medical field? Yeah. It's a huge thing because, because I think that in a lot of eyes, that um, homosexuals are seen kind of delinquent uh, in uh, as far as like morally speaking. Right. And, um, and that's, you know, I can kind of understand that because, because um, not because they are, but because there is, there are high rates of, um, of like alcohol and drug use in the gay community. Um, I think it's a lot of coping mechanisms uh, that have yeah. to, but the point is, is that it's definitely portrayed in a way in media as well to be somewhat uh, delinquent, meaning it doesn't follow the the status quo of, well, you go to college, you get a job, you find a wife, you get a house, you put up a white picket fence and you see the, Amer- the American dream, the American dream. Yeah, for sure. sure. <clears throat> and so, um, it is definitely a motivating factor in that another thing, like example, like, like Jake 
you are so blessed with such beautiful, with such a beautiful family, right? I really and, am. I, and would you say, I'll ask you a question. Would you say that, sure. that protecting them and providing for them is your greatest purpose in life? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, exactly. And so the thing is, is I don't have that purpose in my life. Does that make sense? Because I'm alone. Like I don't have a family and I, and I really don't know if I want kids and, and the idea of like having kids of my own versus adopting versus the whole process of like all that. Right. It's like, you know, like unless I create that purpose for myself, I don't have it. And I think we all crave that kind of feeling of purpose in our lives as humans, right. To be some part of something bigger than ourselves. Right. And your family is definitely that right for me, you know, I just, I can't have my own family other than, you know, my sisters and my mom and stuff, Sure. but <clears throat> taking care of other people, like seeing people like feeling like when I worked at the plasma center, people would pass out sometimes. I mean, it really wasn't that big of a deal. I mean, pass out from what, from like blood. Yeah. Like, yeah. Their blood pressure would drop when the blood oh, volume uh. would decrease in their body. Mm-hmm. And the nurses would come out and they'd be like, oh, like, you know, we'll take care of you or whatever. But just seeing people like come back from it after they'd feel sick and they'd feel lightheaded and pass out and stuff, they'd come back. And, you know, people around us, they'd be kind of terrified. They'd be like watching us because like you're donating next to other people. Like you're not like in a room like alone. It's like a giant room with a ton of different people in it at the same time donating. And so people would be watching kind of scared, you know, and it was kind of cool to be the hero, you know, and to be the calm one, to be the, yes, we've seen this all the time. We know what we're doing. Like, leave it to us. We got it taken care of. They'll be fine. Um, you know, I haven't dealt with death yet. I haven't dealt with anything like super emergency like, but, uh, you know, it was still cool to be a part of that. And I think that's what created this feeling of, wow, like that that's a sense of purpose that I would definitely like to have in my life. And so when I went into management and I kind of lost that sense of purpose and it became more of a, Oh, well, let's build the company for some multi-billionaire out in like Switzerland. Um, <laughs> or yeah. Sweden. Like, why am I working for you? Like, yeah, I want to well, work yeah, towards a purpose. Like, that's yeah. my purpose is to like, basically make you make money, this guy more money. Right. And it was just like, you know, I, I definitely would rather a different purpose in my life. And so, um, so coming, uh, coming back to, you know, I, I lived with my grandma for a while and, um, it was nice taking care of her, you know, but, uh, I needed some freedom again. So I moved out to Portland, uh, Portland, Oregon is where I live. Portland, now. Oregon. Now see, I've been seeing that on the news a lot. Oh yeah. So Portland, Oregon is on the West coast of the United States. For those of you that don't know. It's in between Canada and California. And yeah, between Seattle and San Francisco. Seattle and, and San Francisco. Okay. Yeah. And I've seen it on the news because it's like the way it looks look like, it looks like a war zone. It's on fire. There's people with riot gear. It's absolute crazy since the COVID times. People yeah. are just like eating each other in the streets. I, I was like, oh my God, I never want to go over there. But is it really like that? No, not at all. That's such a sad <laughs> See, thing. Why, why is it portrayed like that? Because media, 
That's how media does that. That's how they that's how they keep us. I don't watch the news anymore. I've deleted Facebook off of my phone. I like I don't I don't watch it. I deleted YouTube and yeah, Instagram. It and looks Facebook. like the scariest oh, place on earth to go to. I was like, oh my God, Portland, Oregon. And when I heard you live there, I was like, how is he surviving? Oh my goodness, that's so funny. No, so <laughs> don't get me wrong. It was a bit intense last summer. I used to drive for Uber Eats. And I remember last summer when the riots were going on, they had a curfew at eight o'clock, right? And so I was like, oh, I'll just like run a few more, like a few more runs. Like, and then I'll quit at like six o'clock is what I told myself. They shut the city down where they blockaded like the city, um, like the inner city. Uh, at like six o'clock or something like that. And unfortunately for me, that is where my last delivery was. Going <laughs> to. So I literally couldn't get into the city and it was, it was crazy. But um, there's that dedicated Uber eats driver going up against the army tanks, <laughs> trying to make his last delivery. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> but no, he, but um, you know, honestly though, like, I didn't really see much destruction. Yeah, there were a lot of boarded up things, um, but I didn't see like glass in the streets and like broken windows and stuff like that. There's graffiti, but it honestly isn't like significantly more graffiti than what you would see in New York City, like on mm. the, you know. Um, but at the same time, like uh portland has always been kind of a grungy city it's kind of known as that kurt cobain kind of you know yeah. 90s grunge kind of place and so the thing is is it's like it's also i wonder if that's also why it doesn't seem all that bad because it's like well it's always kind of had some grunge to it you know what right i kind mean? of it kind of makes me wonder what the world is really like and maybe how it's more important that we talk to people and kind of connect with people in other locations. I remember I remember growing up, I used to think Africa was just this place where like people were starving, like in huts. Like, and I know that sounds so like bad, but so... it's really not like that. Yeah. No, it's nothing like that. And but what what do we see like in America on our I mean, TVs? I thought the Middle East was just like the scariest oh, place on war earth. Torn. Yeah. Oh yeah. And like yeah, I've been able to talk everywhere. to people now from the Middle East or they, they grew up there or even there's one still there now. And they're like totally normal down to earth people that you talk to. They are just like you and me. <laughs> Obviously yeah. some different cultural thing wise, but that's everywhere. Yes. But it's nothing like what you see no. on the TV. Like I was like, oh my God, like, yeah, so scary. You're, well, well, let me let me ask you this. You know what's so interesting is, well, why do we think this is? And honestly, in my opinion, it's well, how do you keep people in check and in line by keeping them afraid? How do you keep people from leaving America and trying and expanding their ideas of how a country should be run or how life should be in their own country and voting accordingly? unless you tell them how scary it is to go to other countries. I told my grandma yesterday or two days ago that I think maybe I'd love to live in another country for a while. And she goes, why would you do that? And right. Said, yeah. Because, you know, I've never done that. And I think that would be a really cool experience. And then she goes, but it's so dangerous. And I was like, 
And I straight up said it. I was like, Grandma, do you know how dangerous it is to live here in America? You know, yeah, like, no, it's it's happen it's all anywhere. the time. We don't even yeah. we don't even bat an eye at it anymore. It's terrifying. Like, ugh, so weird. Anyways, yeah. So now I have, I guess, I guess I have two questions for you. Yeah. One not so serious, and one more serious. Yeah. So on the lighthearted note, where would you? Uh, what country would you want to move to? It, you know. I was looking at Costa Rica for uh, because of how um, just kind of tropical it is and, you know, beautiful. Um, but there's plenty of that in other countries. But somewhere in Central or South America would be really cool, honestly. Um, speaking Spanish. Can you see yourself, just, like, helping people and doing medical stuff? Yeah. So I was thinking after – so so I get – I'm I'll be done with my prerequisites for nursing school and applying to nursing school – a year in advance so like i'll finish schooling to get into nursing then i apply and then i hear back and they'll say yep you got accepted and then it's like a year later that i start they'll be like we'll see you in a year and then it's like what do i do for a year right costa rica yep that's what i'm thinking i was thinking yeah i was thinking you know i mean it might not be forever but i think it'd be really cool to go for some time more than just a week or two vacation you know what i mean this is on a more serious note but i guess a really profound one is what advice would you give to somebody who is lgbtq um and they're just they're listening to this podcast right now and they have a lot of thoughts going through their minds you know what would hmm. what, what's one thing that you could just tell them and just be like i i've been in that situation I, everybody has a different type of family upbringing life but yeah what would well, like yeah hmm. i i would say i would say that your life is yours. And what I mean by that is like, I grew up living my life in a way that like to meet expectations. Like I had expectations placed on me on how I should live my life. And the thing is, is like, and this is advice to anybody who feels like how they want to live their life versus how they were told they should live their life is different. Right. Your life is yours. At the end of the day, as morbid as this is, other people are going to die. And then you are going to be like, let's say you live your life how your mom wants you to live. Guess what? What's going to happen? Your mom's going to die one day. And usually she'll die before you. And if you're lucky enough, you'll be old, you know, when that happens. Right. But then your youth will be gone. And with your youth being gone, your opportunities will be gone for you to live the way that you, you'll realize one day you'll realize, you'll say, my life is gone and I can't get that back because I was living it in a way for other people, like in a way that other people want me to live. And I'm, I'm, and again, not to be morbid and not to be sad and, or not to be, you know, weird about it, but those other people are going to die. 
and it doesn't matter. <laughs> like, and I, and that's so sad, but yeah. your life is yours. And now the, uh, the time is now for you to make your life better. Now I know that that's not always the case for people who live in countries where like, maybe it is illegal to be homosexual. Maybe, you know, you ha don't have a, a situation that you can live on your own yet. You know what I mean? I, I totally get that too. But I would say now is the time to to take action to make things better for yourself. There's a really big campaign that says, you know, it gets better, right? That's kind of like the, this, it's this thing, it's, it gets better. You know what? That is true, but it only gets better if you make it better. You know what I mean? Like mm. it, it just, that's how life works is it only gets better if you make it better and you have to put in the work. And so to those who are struggling with their identity as an LGBT person, um, my, my words of encouragement are your life is yours and embrace that and, and let that scare the shit out of you. Let that scare you. I know that sounds so, but use that, that, fear to motivate you to get what you want in this world. You know what I mean? One day you won't be young. One day you won't be able to, um, you know, uh, just do, do something. You know what I mean? Like I, I work in a clinic now where I work with people who are getting older. Um, and we work in a pain clinic is what I work in people. Yeah. You don't want to live your life and then have regrets in the end because, you realize like, yeah, uh, whatever you were doing for other people in the end doesn't matter. What matters is that you do what you want for you. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. that's my, that's my advice is your life is yours. And, and let that, uh, the fear that one day it won't be there anymore. Let that drive you to achieve and do the things that you want to. For me, that is for me, that is pursuing love, um, you know, with another man. But for me, that's also, you know, um, I would love to live in another country, right? My family doesn't think that that's cool. A lot of my family, they think like that's, you know, because we're, we're American true, you know, red blooded Americans that America is the greatest country in the world. How could you possibly want to live in another country ever? You know? <laughs> um, yeah. For me, that's doing that, and and it doesn't just apply to my sexuality or my orientation as a as a homosexual male, it, and that applies to anybody. I would say anybody who's struggling with this a form of identity is realizing like, do what you need to do now to 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 live the life that you want for yourself because your life is yours. You know, Pat, I gotta say the sincerity and the honesty to which you speak really fearless on a lot of stuff. I know I've asked you some really, you know, things that people would be kind of hesitant to talk about, but you were just completely straightforward and honest with everything with me. And it's been great to get, to really catch up and talk to you. I mean, it's been 15 years that we really had a conversation or anything deep in this matter. And I've always wanted to catch up with you on this. And here we are on a podcast actually catching up, which was not how I ever expected yeah. or planned that. That's okay. And that's the thing. Really life fantastic. is hardly ever how you plan it. Yeah, no, that's true. Life will always throw a curveball at you. Yeah. 
but I'm appreciative of you coming on today and to be able to share that message. And it's really something for me to be able to hear that from you today. And oh. I want to thank you for that. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, Jake. Well, Take have care. a good day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to hear more, please subscribe to wherever you'd like to hear podcasts. Until then, be curious and be kind.